Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed uh, time uh, for parenting. Uh, Joanna Fortune uh, is with us uh, once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, um, before I ask you your first question, though, I did uh, uh, neglect to mention at the end of the previous piece uh, that we did uh, with Sheila uh, to mention BodyWise, uh, also SeaChange.org, uh, where people can uh, go for help. And someone says, I'm 61 years old and feeling like everything that interviewee discussing with her anorexia is describing how I feel today. Uh, also, somebody wants to know, can you ask Joanna the name of a book she mentioned previously? Was it Wonderful Oops? Oh, yes. Um, it is it, it, it is called Wonderful Oops. It's Barney Saltskitter, actually, uh, who who makes it, um, who wrote it. And there's actually two. So you've got Beautiful Oops, not Wonderful Oops. I knew it would come back into my head there. Well done. Beautiful <laughs> Oops. And there's two versions. One is a yellow cover and it's the book. And then there is a blue cover that has little activities, exercises in it that will get you started. But to be honest with you, if you can crease a page and you can do a coffee stain on a piece of paper, you're grand. You'll, you'll do it okay. from there. But it's gorgeous. Yeah. Right. First question is this. This will sound silly, but my three-year-old son will not keep his hands out of his pockets. Why kids' clothes have pockets at all, I'll never understand. He (laughs) discovered his trousers had pockets and now he walks around the house with his hands in them every day and stores toys in them. The scary thing is he's running with his hands in his pockets too. It's absolutely terrifying to watch. I will grab his hands out of his pockets and tell him it's dangerous, but he thinks it's funny. It doesn't help that his older brother laughs at him now and again too. I'm seriously considering stitching every pocket he owns closed or is that a bit drastic? I mean, this is just one of those questions where I can truly see both the child's point of view and the parent's point yes, of view. Yeah. Because who doesn't love pockets? Everybody loves pockets. And when... Actually, when I read that before yeah. I came in there, it's kind of a woman thing that oh, people say, love your... Oh, no, oh it's got pockets. pockets. Yes. We do love it. Yeah. But I, I also th- think that with... A little guy this age, think of the themes that are dominant in their play. Inside, outside, Mm. you know, here, gone, containment, permanence. Pockets are just a fabulous play toy, uh, play tool at that age. So, you know, if they're the dominant themes in his play, they are intriguing little things for him. Now, that said, a child running with their hands in their pocket, I get a parental fear response in relation to that. I really do. But there's something when you say you get scared when you see him running. He's not, by the way, he's not scared. He doesn't see the danger. That's not his awareness. It's yours. Then you grab his hand out of his pocket and you say it's dangerous. And you know, when we get a fright, it's like when our kids go to run across a road and we grab them, we Mm. might snap in a voice. No, don't do that. They don't actually learn. They know we're upset. We're having a hard time with what's happened, but they're not doing the cause and effect thinking of going, oh, it's because I had my hands in my pocket. You'd really like me not Mm. to do that Mm. next time. So you have to be very clear with him in stating the obvious. You're going to keep saying words like hands out, make it a little bit more playful so you're not grabbing and snapping at him. Just kind of go freeze. Everybody's a statue. Where's your wiggles? Where's your wiggly fingers? Let's all do wiggly fingers. Where's your hands out? Okay, go. And if he puts them back in, you're going to do freeze, go, freeze, go (laughs) until actually it becomes something that he's like, oh, you're going to keep stopping me every single time I put the hands. Might there be something in that? He's going to have to make that because he's three and that cause and effect thinking is still really developing in him. He doesn't have it yet. So I would be more playful in the approach. I would get used to the idea that the fear isn't in him, it's in you. So you're going to have to tell him very clearly what you want him to do. 
Yeah, indeed. And actually, yeah, the freezing's a good idea. Except he'll be freezing her as well. That's the, yeah, yeah. That's the tricky thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know this is an age-old question, but my 16-year-old daughter has become very insular lately and incredibly protective of her phone. She panicked one day thinking she'd lost it when her dad moved it to charge it for her. There were tears, lots of hyperventilating, and then she asked him a million questions about what he saw on her phone. Did he look at anything? Did he read a text? Why would she be so paranoid? She has done nothing but raise our suspicions. It's not like uh, her to be like this. What do I do? I attempted to chat to her and I was told it was lame, ridiculous, you name it, for asking who she's talking to. I know her group of friends and they're all lovely girls. Should I ask one of them and see if they have noticed anything too? She is our eldest. So this is very much new territory for us. So no, don't ask her friends. Mm. Don't go to her friends. That would be crossing a boundary for her. And I think it would create a bigger issue for you because as soon as you talk to them, they will talk to her. And if she called you lame and ridiculous for asking her a direct question, her response to you going as she will perceive it behind her back will be much, much bigger than that. I do think there's something about, you know, you attempted to chat to her. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that sounded like for you, but it sounds like you were asking questions because you were like, why are you being so strange? Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Yeah, And yeah. immediately that's like, back off, back off. I, I think you could say to her, by the way, look, we've noticed how worried you were about your phone and it was a pretty big response from you. And the story I'm telling myself is you're hiding something on that phone. I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah. that's the story I'm telling myself because I'm concerned you might not be safe. If you can let me know that you're safe, I'm going to believe you, but I need you to hear how worried I am. Mm. I haven't asked a question there. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? What's going on with you? Because actually one of the ways that we keep our children safe online is to actually maintain that very close connection and open communication about what's online. Like if we if they think, oh, I can't tell you because you're going to come down really hard and heavy on me or you're going to scroll through my phone or I'm going to be in trouble. They tell you less. If you keep openness around it, you're more likely to know what's going on or when and if they hit trouble online, they'll bring it to you rather than holding on it. And I don't want to infer she is having difficulty online because what actually was coming to my mind is when you go through this and you get to the bit where you, this parent is writing, you know, she was really upset did, about, did her dad look at anything? Did he read anything? Why would she be so paranoid? When it, when you were reading that out, I was thinking, I wonder what the story is that these parents are telling themselves. And that's actually where you're going to have to start because you've already decided something is going on in that yes, phone. Yeah. You want her to prove you right and say, yes, you got me. I'm up to something. Well done. But actually, there might be nothing in it. But you do need to acknowledge the story you're telling yourself immediately. Now, when they say like she's become very insular lately, I'm curious, is that a dramatic difference or has that been gradually building? And I also, Sean, wondered, might she be in a relationship? And if it's a very new relationship or a flirtation, she may not be ready to tell you about this relationship. And there may be some intimate texts on there or messages. And she wouldn't want her dad to see that. And she just didn't want you knowing those somebody of interest to her in her life right now. It could be as straightforward as that. Teenagers developmentally do seek and need more privacy. They want to keep more from us. So naturally, as parents, we want to know more. So we get this push pull of tell me everything. Nope, tell you nothing. And we have this standoff. So I just think, you know, if you can in your head go, you know, how are things at home? Has there been any changes, differences, tensions at home? 
How are things at school for her? Is she doing well? She's going to school. The school haven't alerted you to any difficulties or problems. And you mentioned she has a great group of friends. So how is her social life? Has there been any significant changes there? If you're saying no, all of those three areas of her life are fine and she has her friends. I would move away from dramatic fatalistic thinking here and wonder, might it be something more like she might have an intimate interest in her life that she's not ready to talk yeah. to you about. And yeah, because it seemed to me as well from the insular and actually what she seemed to be saying is not completely by herself, but maybe within the house she spends more time in a room, that kind of thing, as 16-year-olds do. But that's do. quite normal for yeah. a 16-year-old to do. Again, we always would look at Sean like, while so many changes in adolescence are normal, quote unquote, it doesn't mean they're parentally straightforward and easy. Mm. It can still <laughs> yes. be really problematic and difficult to parent through. So if you're looking at Yes, we had done the typical teenage changes as you'd understand them. This is something more pronounced. This is bigger than that. This is over and above. If it's at an over and above level and you hardly see her in the house, maybe get curious about what might have be underpinning a sudden change. Yeah. But somebody looking for privacy around their phone and being hyper vigilant about not sharing what's on their phone. It's very easy for us parents to join dots and formulate a picture that isn't there. Mm. So come at that with curiosity. And look, if you have the type of relationship with her where you can say, I'm going to be honest with you, the story I told myself was there was something really creepy on there. And now I'm wondering if it might just be that you've met someone you're not ready to tell me about. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a similar situation, says the texter, with our daughter. But I have been insisting on reading through her phone since she got it uh, three years ago. She's now 15. Should I stop that? I really don't want to, but I'm listening to Joanna carefully here. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. I mean, look, no two 15-year-olds are the same. Yeah. And you will know what your 15-year-old is ready for. But I am hearing your questioning is a time to step back. So there's a bit of you that knows the answer to this about your child. If you've had that level of input in your child's phone for three years, don't just dramatically say, now I don't want to see anything. But you could phase it out. You could look at the phone once a week instead of every day. Or if you're already doing it once a week, once every other week. Or simply sit together and invite your child to say, what have you been looking at this week online? Why don't you show me so Mm. that I'm not looking at you? But yeah, I think when our children are reaching mid-adolescence and, you know, at 15, once they're turning 16, if they're letting us look at everything online, there's a chance that there's things that we don't know about online too secret accounts, second social media accounts, things like that, because developmentally they do need privacy from us. Uh, well, now you've made that woman paranoid all over again now. Have a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> when should I be worried that my two-year-old, uh, that's two and four months, is not talking? She makes noises, says mama all right, and can say ba and moo and all the rest of the farm animals. She also knows what I mean when I give her instructions like bring mama the book, the teddy is behind you, take a drink from your cup and the like. She can point to all our body parts when I ask her to. So she is understanding me, but she has zero words. She barely says, Dad, that's about the extent of it. Are there things I could be doing at home? I'm so anxious over this and fear she has some speech issue and won't be able to communicate. The first thing is you're so anxious and you're holding fear. So let's get that addressed. You know, if you go online and I have no doubt this parent has, you'll read generalised statements that, Mm. you know, between the ages of two and three years old, um, two to three word sentences, um, 200 plus words is typical for children. And that can be really panic inducing when you're like, oh, my child only has a, you know, 186 words. And who sits down and 
cancel those. Really, we're looking for is your child communicating with you. So you're illustrating here that you've got a toddler who's showing you fairly good language comprehension, you know, can follow instructions, can deliver on that. And when we say, you know, between two and three, I think in our parent brain, we go, my child should be doing that at two. But actually, the guideline is telling you some children won't do it till they're three. Yeah. That's why it's between two and three years old. So some children acquire speech very quickly and some children take a little bit longer and there may be nothing more to it than she's a little bit later coming to those words and still not developmentally late because it's two to three years old and she's two and four months. That said, I would be reaching out to your public health nurse because you are anxious, you are worried about this and just share what your worry is. They may bring you in, have a check or refer you to the speech and language person on their team, on the early years team. And, you know, it might take a little while to get an appointment anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's no harm in doing that now proactively. They may say to you, look, we don't see children until they're three, but they also may be able to say to you, but here's a list of resources that we can share with you that will support the development of language. So I would reach out. In the meantime at home, lots of singing and singing songs suitable for toddlers. There's a lot of repetition and pattern in those songs and it's there for a reason because they're repeating it over and over again. There's actions, there's sounds, there's words, there's phonemes, you know, where the meaning is in the sound, Mm. like bump up. Oh, all of that musicality of voice. So you're actually enriching communication beyond just verbal instruction or, or just spoken words. Talk to her. And when she's looking for something or reaching for it, you use the name of the word and repeat it three times while you point at it. There are things you can do, but I'd still like you to talk to your public health nurse as well. Since before Christmas, our four-year-old daughter, who usually slept from 7.30 to or, or 7 every night, is now waking up three times a night. We put it down to the excitement and the run-up to Christmas and hoped it would settle down after Santa's arrival or when she went back to school. We're now into February. There's no improvement. If anything, it's got worse. Some nights she runs panicked into our room after a bad dream and the only thing to settle her is if we get back into bed with her. In the morning, she used to tell us what the dream was about, wolves and zombies, etc., and I would try to talk through her fears by telling her they don't exist and that she's safe here with mum and dad. But now when we ask her, she, uh, her, she is telling us she can't remember. It's gone under stage where she won't go to the bathroom or the bedroom without us during the day or at night. The school and childcare have noticed she's not herself the last few weeks. She wants us to keep singing while she falls asleep or wants us to stand outside the door and not move until she falls asleep. We're expecting a new baby in May and we told her around the same time all of this unsettled sleep started and even though she's very excited about it she's exhausted from the broken sleep and we hate seeing her so upset at night Mm. Uh, I mean you'd have to factor in because as you're going through that I'm thinking well something has changed something has shifted here because I mean there's lots of reasons first of all that children this age would have some disrupted sleep patterns you know it can be a sign of a growth spurt it can be you know you've just gone through the process of dropping a nap or they've decided they're dropping a nap even Mm. if you weren't ready for that Um, there can be changes in terms of going into preschool and the preschool schedule there can be lots of reasons that children's sleep becomes disrupted. But this is mixed with 
dreams and then there's little breadcrumb trail of increased anxiety. Be with me all the time. Be with me all the time. So then when you read, you know, there's going to be this new baby and we did tell her at the same time. She's four. So, of course, she can be excited about there being a new baby and she can be emotionally overwhelmed that there's going to be a new baby. And those two things can coexist for her. So it's not that she's unhappy about the baby, but she's emotionally uncertain and therefore anxious about what does that mean for her? Mm. And what about this baby? And when you say there will be a baby, what? W- how is that baby going to arrive? Where will you go? It's all very abstract. And without that meaning there, she could be filling in the blanks herself is what I'm thinking. Um, there's books that are lovely. There's a one, You Were the First, which reassures our firstborns that, mm. you know, you're the first, you'll always have been the first. And there's that specialness there. And there's a nice one, There's a House Inside Mummy, which for kids this age is helpful and going, Will we get this baby though? When you say get a baby, you know, um, uh, there is, uh, I'd also say to you though, do you know what? Watch other people in your family, yourselves, and, but you might be more mindful of it, but other well meaning relatives doing the whole, oh, you're going to be the big sister, you're going to be the big kid. That can be very anxiety provoking for young yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, I'm still only four. I feel like a four-year-old, I behave like a four-year-old and there isn't a whole lot of big girlness about that actually when, mm. when you get down to it. So watch that and just say we're having a new family, our family is getting bigger but don't put any pressure on her to be the big kid and to take on any responsibility because that can trigger some resistance and actually behavioural regression in and of itself because they're afraid. What does that mean? Yeah, Will I be yeah. good at that? What's going to happen? With the sleep and all the pattern going on I would go back to what had been working for you and re-establish a good routine. You clearly had one because lots of people will have heard this and gone, I'm sorry, your child was sleeping from what time to what time? <laughs> like you were getting a really good that run was at dream, this, yeah. you know? So if you clearly had a good routine that was working. Go back for that. And I'm going to th- suggest because this has been stressful and difficult for all of you, that you introduce one new thing. Get a little, um, you know, those little plastic travel bottles you can put your cosmetics into when you're going on holidays. Yes. And get the one with the pump spray on it. Mm. And just put some water in there and a couple of drops of lavender oil and make up a quite formal looking label and put it on it. And it's special sleep spray, sweet dreams guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And you spray that around her pillow or around the bed. And you must be supremely confident in how you present this to her, that this means you're going to have a great night's sleep and you're going to sleep all night this is a case of fake it till you make it. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I'm usually telling you, you can't fake it. You have yeah. to be authentic. But for this one, you got to be really confident in how you pitch this to her, that this will always work. When she's having these bad dreams instead of, and you're doing the right thing in lots of ways, you know, the wolves, they're not real. But actually, I'd say to her, why don't we draw a picture of, of the scary part of the dream? Let her draw it out, rip it up, and then draw a new picture of what she would like to dream instead and stick that to her bedroom wall. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, a fair few comments about uh, uh, the uh, two-year and four-month-year-old not using many words yet. Uh, um, but uh, Suzanne says, uh, my 23-year-old doesn't give me that many words. So uh, perhaps that's something that a bit doesn't... bit of regression at all ages. Regression yeah. doesn't really change. Uh, Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Thank you. Uh, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.